Well, good morning, church. It's great seeing you here today. Um, be sure to be praying for our lead pastor. Uh, Dan is down in uh, Guatemala uh, serving Christ, and uh, so be sure and remember to pray for him today. And through, he'll be giving back midweek, so be sure and pray for him. Uh, I look forward to the opportunity of sharing God's word with you today. If you have your Bible, you can turn it over to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. And our title of our sermon uh, is Choose a Side. You ever had to choose a side? Um, every day we have to choose sides. Um, I was thinking about that this week, and I remember uh, growing up in elementary school, a big time we chose sides was when Cassius Clay, or as he was called then, Muhammad, who is now became Muhammad Ali, fought Joe Frazier. I remember Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier fighting, and uh, we were just out in the hallway between classes, and never, we were just like, "Who's for Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay? Who's for who's for Joe Frazier?" You know. And I remember that was like, "Choose a side." Uh, I, one of my worst times of choosing a side. One of my not so smart moments uh, came, I think it was like fifth grade, sixth grade. Um, you know, boys are so competitive. Uh, the guys in like 5A decided they would fight 5B or vice versa. So we all got the names of the guys on 5A and listed them out, and 5B, and we just drew lines who would fight who at recess. You know, we just go out recess and we just start swinging. You know, on the way out, to recess, somebody says, who'd you get, Joe? I go, I got Ricky. Oh, yeah, he's the one that studies karate. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a true story. I remember a bad time of choosing a side that time. Um, more recently, as I've gotten older, is the big thing is sports. You know, Gene and I are huge sports people. And, of course, we've been ball fans. I've been ball fans forever. My daughter, I'm sad to say, married a Kentucky fan. Please pray. Please pray. She, wore, she actually had the audacity of coming into my den and wearing a Kentucky shirt. We have not talked for two years, so pray for that. No, I'm just joking. We're, we're good. But, uh, uh, but sometimes you just have to choose a side. But as we grow older, and we especially in our spiritual realm, on a more serious note, we do have to choose sides, don't we? We have to choose sides about... What are we going to do with this Jesus? What are we going to do with our loyalty to God versus this world? We fight that every day. Our title this morning is Choose a Side. And I picture a, a circle. I picture a circle of commitment. And this circle is yay big. And I'm on at, at uh, you know, initially we come to this circle of commitment and we have to initially step in when we hopefully trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we plant our flag of loyalty inside of that circle. And we say, I'm going to follow the Lord now. I'm going to um, stop living for self. I'm going to start living for Christ. And so that's what we're talking about today. Choose a side. We're going all the way back to 2 Kings chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at a gentleman called Elisha. Now, I don't know about you, but I always get mixed up. Elijah, Elisha. 
You know, I wish they were like a little bit more different, but Elisha and Elisha trying to figure out who those two guys were and, and the different. Well, Elijah came first. Elijah was the prophet of God. And uh, as he chose his side uh, to live for God at some point in his life, it, it causes him some trouble, and, and he gets into a peck of trouble, uh, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. The story of Elisha and his servant, who find themselves in the midst of a war between Israel and Syria. Some versions call it Aram. Elisha, a prophet, chose to serve God and chose to serve the kingdom of God, Israel. As a result, he made an enemy of the king of Syria, who came against him to destroy him. However, God miraculously saved and rescued Elisha and his servant through divine power. And our point today, our point for us is when we choose to serve God and his kingdom, we make an enemy of Satan who will come against us to destroy us. However, God has divine power to miraculously rescue us from Satan's attack. Our sermon is choose a side. Elisha served God in the 8th century B.C. He served in the time of the kings of Israel. You remember, he became the prophet. He served alongside Elijah for about seven or eight years. But the initiate, during that time, Elijah, in 1 Kings chapter 19 came and took his mantle off or his cloak which was a sign of God's the the ministry that God had given him and he took that cloak off that mantle off and he put it around Elisha showing that he Elisha now was going to be the prophet of God he was the one that was going to serve God in Israel Elisha served God for 60 years as prophet 60 years so we find ourselves in 2nd Kings chapter 6 The two countries are at war, Israel and Syria. And Syria's king becomes greatly troubled in verse 11. So but let's go ahead and just beginning in verse 8 and get the story. We're going to read down to verse 12. It says, Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet, is in Israel. Tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So verse 11, we see that the king of Syria is very troubled, and he's troubled because every time he goes and sets up his army's camp and lies in wait for Israel, 
Israel seems to find themselves not going there, going in another direction. And he comes to his servant and says, Who's, which of you guys are, 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 are a mole? Which of you guys are telling Israel where our camp is? And his servant says, it's Elijah. There's a couple of things I like in this section. When in verse 9, he re- he's referred to as the man of God. The man of God. At some point, Elisha, when he first got that mantle on, walked around with Elijah. But Elisha started living for the Lord, prophesying, doing miracles, serving God. And he gets somebody said, well, what are they going to call you? He's Elisha, but you know, he's really, let's just call him the man of God. Let me ask you a question. What, when people see you and when people talk about you, what do they say about you? I can't think of a higher calling than somebody saying, that's a person that loves Jesus. People are watching you. Your children, the person next to you. Oh, they're such a great student. Oh, they're so smart. They're such a great business person. Man, they, they keep their yard so manicured. They are great but to be called a man of God, to be called a woman of God. What do you need to do in order for people to see, not to do it for your reputation, but that God's name would be glorified in and through your life? Is there any adjustments that need to take place in your life and the way you live uh, so that people watch you? Because people are watching. Elijah chose a side. At some point in his life, Elijah came to this circle, maybe when he was in the synagogue, maybe after a moving service, Elisha. See, all of none of us are born inside the circle of commitment. Nobody is born inside the circle. We all, by God's revelation, we see we were dead in our trespasses. And at some point, God came and illuminated our mind to to the message of the, that there was a God in heaven, just like he illuminated Elisha. As, and, and on this side, on the beautiful thing of the beautiful thing of this side of Jesus, now we can look back at the life of Christ and the life he, he lived. And we can come to a place at this circle and that, that we, God shows us that we're a sinner. And it shows that Christ died for our, our sins. And he says these words. Come follow me. Let me tell you something. The, the come follow me is in the direction of stepping inside the circle of commitment and taking your flag of loyalty and saying, for me, I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to be a follower of Christ. Have you done that? Have you stepped, have, have you realized you're a sinner? Have you realized what Christ did for you? We don't, we don't step inside the circle just because of a cognitive exercise, just getting information. The Bible says you believe there is one God good. The devils believe that. The devil believes that. No, becoming a Christian is stepping inside and saying, Lord, I am a sinner. And I need you as a savior and I will follow you and you will be my Lord and I will plant my flag of loyalty. That is becoming a believer. Our first point that I want to point, put it behind me is, is you need to choose whose side you are on. Choose whose side you are on. Now, in the early church, 
believers, people started following Jesus. Peter stepped in the circle. Andrew stepped in the circle. Paul stepped into the circle. You know, so many people we read about. There's one interesting character, though. His name is James. Remember James? Half-brother of Jesus. He came, he grew up with Jesus as a half-brother. They shared Mary as their mom, and he just kept wandering around the outside of the circle. Throughout Jesus' life, he kept looking inside. He saw Peter step in. His friend Peter stepped in. He, he saw Andrew step in. He saw Bartholomew, Matthew. He saw all these people step in the circle. James did not step in the circle. And then after Christ was resurrected, Jesus came to his half-brother James. And everything changed. And James stepped into the circle of commitment and planted his flag of loyalty. And he, began, he became a leader in the Jerusalem church. And then he wrote a letter. If you have your Bible, turn over to James chapter 4. He wrote this letter. And he talks about the circle. See, James now is inside the circle of commitment. And he's confused. See, he's confused because now that he's inside the circle... He looks over and he sees people that are followers of Christ, but they are straddling the circumference, the, the outside of the circle. They're straddling. One leg, they got one leg in and one leg out. They're, in, they're, they're going to the church. They're living. They're coming to Bible study. They're kind of following, but they're also in the world. And it confuses James, and he writes about it in James chapter 4, verse 1. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You see, this is what happens at the edge of the circle of commitment. If you're halfway committed, if you're lukewarm, your insides are warring against one another. And you war against other people. You desire and do not have. You murder, you covet, and cannot obtain. You fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. So, so to spend it on your own passions, you adulterous people, exclamation mark. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. He says, you are saying that one point you step inside the circle and you took a ring off your finger and you put it on the ring of the hand of Jesus and you said, you are my husband. You are my bride. I'm your bride. You are my husband. I am committed to you for the rest of my life. You, at some point, James is saying, followers, you did that. You stepped inside that. You made a commitment to Jesus as your husband. But now you're sleeping with the world. You're having sex with the world. You are abandoned, abandoned your commitment, and you're over here, and you're even stepping outside the circle, and you're, you're living for the world. You adulterous people, he says. Wow, strong words, but words that we need to take to heart today where we are. You see, 
John called it in Revelation. He says, you've lost your first love. And let me tell you something. It's not just for the individual. Churches can do this. See, that, church, that letter in Revelation was written to the church. So we as a church sometimes can step in and plant our flag at 3200 Kingston Pike, and we can say, you know, our first love is Jesus Christ, but we begin to see the world, and we begin to see what they're doing, and we begin to kind of move over to the end and say, you know, we can kind of do this and still be believers. We can be Christians. We can be the church, but still kind of be in the world. There's a point where we'll be called an adulterous people. So I'm speaking to you and me as individuals, but as a church, that we constantly remember to step in and plant our flag and say, our first love is the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a division between us and the world. Let me ask you a question. Where are you in the circle? I want you to picture this circle in your mind. You outside the circle, maybe you're here today. And you're, you've never, ever committed your life to Jesus Christ. Today, you need to step in. You need to make a choice. You need to choose a side. Are you in the center? Are you firmly have your hands on loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ? Or have you begun to drift? Today, choose a side. Step in. Step in to the center of the circle. You know, I love it the first time that I went back down the river and when I was 17 and I planted for the very first time I planted that flag. Let me tell you something. Luke 9.23 talks about that we're to take up our cross daily. You know, I'm glad that I at, at Windy Gap in Young Life I went and I prayed a prayer of commitment to the Lord. That was beautiful when I was 18. I was super excited in Colorado when I was up in those mountains and I cried out to the Lord but you know, what did I do yesterday? What am I doing today? The Bible says, take up your cross daily. Take up, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and do what? Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's look at the second point. Not only do we need to choose a side, but we also, once we choose to be loyal to God, you make a spiritual enemy. Let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 6. We pick it up in verse 13. It says, And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. This is the king of Assyria talking about Elisha. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night, and they surrounded the city. That point there, he says, that I may send and seize him. This king was so angry at Elisha. I, he sent this army of chariots and horses, and they surrounded the city to seize Elisha. Let me tell you something. What a picture of the believer. When we step into the center of this circle and we plant our, you think, our, our, our flag of loyalty, do you think Satan is just going to sit back and just do nothing? He is afraid of your influence at your school, at your work, in your family. He is going to send his horses and chariots to attack. What a picture. Paul talks about this in Ephesians. Turn over in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse 10. 
Paul says, finally be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. See, Satan is a schemer. He is an accuser. He, there is a spiritual world, and when we step in and become loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan will send schemes against us. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Guys, there is an evil day coming. You know, I love those days when it's green pastures and everybody's laughing and we're playing at the beach and it's beautiful, but there is an evil day coming. The thing about a congregation like this, some of you are just having a great time, man. You're enjoying things. Spiritually, you're on top of the wave. Others of you are crashing. The waves are crashing over you and Satan is schemed against you and the evil day is upon you. Guys, we have to be aware that we live in a spiritual warfare and we have to fight with spiritual weapons and we have to put the whole armor of God on. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God uh, up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day having done all to do what? To stand firm. To stand firm. God wants his people to stand firm. And the only way to do that is through spiritual warfare and put upon the whole armor of God. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness that comes given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to get dressed every day. I don't sleep in what I'm wearing the next day. And every day, we have to dress ourselves with the armor of God. And if you say, well, oh, I put on the armor of God. I did that several months ago at that revival. Oh, that revival was awesome. I put on the armor of God. It didn't work like that. Every day we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. Every day we have to put on the armor of God. Every day we have to enter the battle. If we're going to live for God, if we're going to influence for God, every day we have to be purposeful in doing that. God wants you to stand. Let's look at the third point. The was once you choose to be loyal to God, not only do you have a spiritual enemy, you have an, you have an almighty ally. Turn it back over to 2 Second Kings. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 15. When the servant and the man of God rose early in the morning, he went out. Behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. You see, that was a reality. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, do not be afraid for those who are with uh, who, uh, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open his eyes 
that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So he goes out. Elisha is in the kitchen drinking his coffee, reading his newspaper. And the young man says, I'm going to go out to get the newspaper or go out to the mailbox or whatever. He goes out and he looks and he looks around and he sees these horses and chariots all around the city. He runs back in <laughs> and Elisha seems to calmly come back and says with faith telling him to him to open the eyes of his servant i have a slide up here that i want talking about those two different two different things there's two a slide with two the first is verse 14 talking about satan's attack verse 17 is god's counter Verse 14, so he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. That is a reality. Some of you are dealing with physical horses and chariots. You got that call from the doctor. I spoke to somebody this week that says, hey, pray for me, because I got this test back, and it wasn't a good thing. Maybe it's something physical. Maybe it's something emotional. I've had, I've had horses and chariots coming against me emotionally where I wake up in the middle of the night. I talk to Gene. I say, I'm in turmoil. I don't know what to do because I'm surrounded. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's mental. I don't know what it is, but Satan can send things against us, and it outnumbers us, and we are no match. We are no match in our flesh for what's coming against us as children of God. But verse 17, I love how God counters. It says, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Full of, he didn't just send horses and chariots. He didn't just send the army of Israel. God intervened spiritually and says, I'm going to put around you chariots and horses of fire. I don't know about you, but that's a trump card. That's a trump card. God is saying, he, he often manifests himself in his power, in his holiness with fire. And that's what he does in this situation. Can I ask you a question? As you think right now, what are you surrounded by? It may be a family issue. It may be a financial issue. But I'm here to declare to you, all of us have our dothan. All of us have our situation, but God has resources above and beyond our need. And if Satan attacks us, he will match that and he will up it in order to rescue his people. I want to, you know, I want to share this too. And the fourth thing is simply this. God can use us to help others have spiritual eyes. Elijah mentored Elisha. He helped him to have spiritual eyes. They out and did miracles and prophesied. And for seven to eight years, Elisha poured into Elisha. Then Elisha has a servant. 
Isn't it interesting that when it came to a crisis, it was up to Elisha to have faith and to step into that crisis on behalf of not only his life, but the life of his servant. We have people watching us. We have children that are looking up to us. We have friends that are looking to us. And we, as men and women who serve the Lord, need to have the faith to pray. God, open the eyes of my son. Open the eyes of my child. Open the eyes of my... It's us, our job is to pray in faith. Only God can open his open someone else's eyes sometimes we get real frustrated and i made this mistake where i said you just need to open your eyes open them up do it like this god is the one that opens eyes and maybe you have a family or a friend or somebody that you they're just like caving in your job is to pray your job is to step up your job is to role model faith your job is to pray is god's is god his role is to open I want to ask Kevin to come right now and to play. I want to ask you where you are spiritually, where you are mentally, where you are physically, where you are emotionally in every way. Are you surrounded today? The very first thing that God's calling you to do is to choose a side and to step into your circle. Nothing good can happen until that's settled. Maybe you're here today and the Holy Spirit's nudging you into saying, you know, you've never stepped into the circle. You've gone to church a lot. You've been at church a lot, but you've never, ever become a believer. You've never truly followed Christ. Maybe you're here today and when I say you adulterous people, you go, wait a minute. I think I'm straddling this. I think I'm str- I think I've drifted away from loyalty. I think I've drifted. Maybe today you need to bow your heads and you need to come and say, Lord, I choose to step into the center of the circle of loyalty. Maybe you've been given, Satan's been coming against you and he's just been battering you from all directions. You know, the thing about Elisha and the servant, they were, they were getting it from every direction. They were surrounded. We, we don't need to stick our heads in the sand. I, oh, I don't have an enemy. Everything's fine. No, sometimes things are not fine. Sometimes things are just really overwhelmingly terrible. But that's when we embrace the fact that we have that almighty ally that wants to come and to minister to us and to trump whatever Satan's doing to us, to give us a way out, to give us victory. Maybe this morning you recognize that you are a role model for someone else, that somebody is looking to you, and it's time for you to step up and to, to pray a prayer and ask God. Maybe you need to just pray during this time for somebody's eyes who need to be opened. You pray. You have faith, but it's God's business to open their eyes ultimately. When everything's said and done, we'll have a story that will be told in eternity that we found God faithful see the hero of this story is not Elisha it's God would you bow your heads with me The, the hero of the story is almighty God 
And God is saying through these verses, there's nothing that will surround you or come against you that God is not more or stronger than the, whatever's come against you. Father, I pray during this time that your Holy Spirit would just speak to hearts, would touch people where they need to be touched in their mind, in their emotions, in their mental state, in their spiritual health. And I pray there will be movement. I pray there will be movement of inside the commitment circle. And I pray that people will simply be planting that flag of loyalty very purposeful in their life. We give you this time. Would you stand? These altars are open. If you want to come pray for somebody, if you want to pray for yourself, if we're here, if you would like to seek counsel from the pastors, you do business with God.